Hi, I'm Faith Selvin and I run the Big Life Group. Welcome to Anon, a new podcast from the Big Issue North. It's about the people we meet and the struggles they face. It's about their everyday stories that are little heard and very little understood. Often people are vilified and laughed at by the media who delight in producing programmes that portray them as ignorant. In a time when hate crime is on the rise, we really want to champion the people who have the least. Help us to turn the tide. Listen to their stories. Understand and help us to change the world. This is a story about the father, the son and the grandson. The ups and downs, the trials and tribulations and the similarity of disparate choices. It's about separation and reunification. It's about like father, like son. It'll take 20 odd minutes to tell, but it took 20 odd years to live. My name is Hayden. I'm 55 years of age. I work for a charity. I'm a van driver. I collect furniture and deliver furniture to people in need. That's the father. This is the son. The grandson, by the way, comes later, much later. My name is Darren Smith. I'm 37 years of age. I also work for the charity. I'm a volunteer there. I also work on the vans, but I also do um, music. We're on the southern edge of the city of Manchester in the early 80s, when it had a reputation that wasn't all good. I left school um, with no education. I started the apprenticeship, well, not apprenticeship, it was a, it was a manpower service scheme, one of them schemes. As a painter and decorator, um, most of my friends was Rastafarians. I was a Rastafarian um, back in the day, and um, I had my son quite early. I was 16 when I had Darren. Couldn't find work at the time. Work was, uh, was a hard thing in the early 80s. I had a struggle a bit, you know, so it's more about doing music, playing sound systems. Yeah, I always remember my dad as a kid, he um, was always there. I always related him to the piano for some reason and the guitar and um, music, you know. That's what always reminded me of my dad. I never saw the, the, that side of things, the drug side. I never saw any of that, you know. That was kept far away from me. I left home with mum, 16, because I had my son. We had to find a place for Darren. My girlfriend at the time, Val, her, his mother, we struggled. My girlfriend's sister took us in. And that was in, we lived in the, um, in the kitchen, <laughs> in the cupboard, in the cupboard. Oh, oh I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Small cupboard. Just get a single bed in there. I've used a, a, a mop, bomb stick to hang, hang my clothes up, you know, against wall to wall. My dad bought houses. He's one of the kind of guys, he, he buy houses. So he, he had a house. He put me in there for a while, but, you know, I was only young. You know, I was young, not working. It was a very hard time, but then me and my girlfriend got a flat, and yeah, I was with Darren from to the age of six, and, and she worked. I was just doing um odd stuff, doing what what could make money, you know, illegal stuff. I was doing illegal stuff. I smoked the weed, and you know, it was out there. It was easy money. It was easy money. Class A. That's what I was doing, and you know, the money was coming in. I understand now why he made them choices because I've I've made them choices myself, you know, I understand it now. 
back then you're a kid you just don't know the early days yeah I do remember him picking me up I remember the birthday cards that SCS used to send me and the Christmas cards I remember all of them I wasn't a neglected child you know to know when people say oh you have your dad in your life and it wasn't like I was neglected or it wasn't like that I was in a loving family growing up was, was alright for me you know it wasn't it wasn't no I, knew, I didn't experience no bad things I didn't experience no hardship I didn't experience no poverty nothing, nothing like that you know it was alright man I had a good you know, I had a good childhood I did seriously it was alright Hayden always protected Darren from his illegal activities I was at Oxford when he was born to the age of six, but I got introduced with the white stuff on the cocaine and the heroin. That's when things started to fall apart. Dan's mother didn't like it. She was working and she was against it all. So I was making money. So I could do what I want, really. I could, I could get in the car and get off. So I must have been about, you're talking 80, Dan was six. 86, 85, 86. So, I just took off because she, she didn't like it anymore, you know? And, and the relationship was breaking up. Well, the love, it was more like a habit, you know? She's there, I'm there, and it's more like a habit. And we sort of drift apart. I moved on. I moved on, I moved out in the air. I moved to a place called Berry and started to well, do my graft down there. I get phone calls, I, I'll come up now and again and, and look for Darren, you know? It, it'd be, I miss his birthdays and, and the Christmas. You know, the, the times I do remember his birthday. I remember one time I rang him up. It was the 21st. And, you know, his birthday's the 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was getting mixed up with the, them days because your mum's the 21st and he's yeah. the 23rd. I'll go down, pick him up, and then, you know, I take him out and probably spoil him. And then I bought him this first drum kit at the age of... 10 or something like that, 10. Because I, I found that he could play the drums. There's always a contact with my family, you know, but the relationship with me and him, it just drifted apart. I mean, I was allowed to see him, you know. I remember your mum put a stop, you're not allowed to see him, you know. You're allowed to see you probably two hours on a Saturday. But that promise I didn't keep, you know. And I, I started to move out of the area because the money I was making, I had to move out of the area. You know, the, the police was on my trail, they were following me. I was getting the surveillance on me all the time. So I moved from one town to the next town. I went from Bury into Leeds, and then I went to Newcastle and Millersburg. I was doing all my drugs around there. I kept out of the area. Oh, private, yes, the rabbi sold I to the merchant ships. Minute after they took I from the bottomless pit, but my hand was made strong by the hands of Lord Mighty. We fall within this generation, triumphantly. Won't you help me sing these songs of freedom? Cause all I ever had Redemption song Redemption song I was making money and it seems I was getting away with it. In the end I did get caught. I got caught. I got caught a couple of times. I went back and forth to jail. Yeah, I was happy doing it. You know, it paid the bills, put clothes on my back, you know, and 
I was driving cars. My conscience was... It did pay. I remember one time I went to court and the judge gave me four and a half years. And then, you know, he mentioned that, you know, you're the scum of earth, you know. You you live up in misery. That did play a big part, you know, them sort of things. But I was I was on drugs myself. So I looked at it myself, but I'm, I'm doing drugs. I'm doing it to support my habit. So the more I made, the more I smoked. I started doing crack cocaine. <laughs> my friends were doing it. It's one of them drugs, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it plays on your mind, it, it's in your head. It's not a physical addiction, you know, it's more mentally. I don't want to make it sound glorified, but it's one of them things, it's, it's like having sex in your brain, you know, it's, it is, it's like having sex in your brain, it's like, you know, it's, it's nice, it's, it is nice, it's a hard, it's a hard drug, it's, and from, from you start, from you once you do it, it's hard to get off. Pringles, can't stop. Can't stop doing it. And then I started taking heroin to bring me back down. Crack cocaine's a high. Heroin sort of bring you down. So I started doing heroin, but that was a more physical addiction. Sooner or later, I'm, I'm, I'm there withdrawing and wanting to sort my body out. So I was caught into that trap, couldn't get out. People have this vision of the prison's a bad place, you know, you're hitting stones and you're locked up 24 7. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, prison, nah, you, know, you know, it's not like that at all. You know, back in the day it was, you know, when back in the day when Strange Ways was feature cell. That's the first time I, I experienced in jail. I was around when the, the Strange Ways riots, I was in jail when that happened, you know. You know, but it, you come out and you go to jail and you got TVs and, you know, there's the education, there's there's lots of things going on. You know, I tried to get, get some form of qualifications and that's what I did. You know, and your plan is to come out and be a better person, but you end up in the wrong area, same streets, same crowd, same people. So you, you just end up going back to that ways, you know. I always died when it's the time when I've hit rock bottom where I had to do something about it, you know. I hit really rock bottom, you know. I, I lost most of everything, you know. I had people looking for me and wanted want to kill me. And my mum had a heart attack at one stage. I remember my mum having this heart attack. And I, I blamed that for myself because the pressure of police and people looking for me. So I took off. I went to um, I went to a rehab, Phoenix House in South Shields. I went north. I wanted to find out why I can't get this, get rid of this demon that was just controlling me. And so I did, I did rehab, and that took a long time, you know. I, was, I mean, I was in my 30s when I did that. And, you know, so I just want this, this tablet, you know, I can take, and I'm clean. But I got to rehab, and you, you realise, nah, it's not, it's a everyday thing, you know. It's like you, you always will be a recovering addict, you know. And this is, took me a, a long while. I, I had to do three rehabs before I realised that. And even then, they didn't work. But as Hayden was trying to get clean, Darren's life was going in the other direction. In my mid-20s, I started, started messing around with my classes. The reason why, I don't know, you know, I don't know why. Um, there was a few incidents in my life I probably could say could have, could, have, could, have, could have caused it. You know, I was with this girl. She had a baby. It turned out it weren't mine. On top of that, my granddad died. When did he wonder what year did he die? I think it's 2000. 2000. Then my nana died four years later. 2000, 
2004, relationships, you know, um, trying to make money, you know, music. Um, and then I was hanging around with a lot of guys who were selling, selling a lot of stuff. And um, that's how I kind of got into it. And I remember smoking it. And I thought it gave me this, what's to say, authority, where, where you think you can, this supernatural power, making, able me to, to produce. That's what I thought, because it did for a short period. Before I knew it, I was just smoking it. By that time, I started losing things. Obviously, I didn't understand it at the time, you know. I didn't understand what was going on, why I was doing it. You know, I thought I thought it was all normal. I thought I could control it. Looking at it, I know, I lost everything. That was crack, yeah. And then my life just went, lost everything then, bit by bit, year by year. Tried to cover it up as best as I could. I see, I didn't know about that, see. I thought me being away, He's not gonna see all that, see all that, but I knew that he knew people. I knew they knew people that I knew because I have people in the music scene. You know, there's you know, there's quick because you know, I was in the sound system and I knew all the big sounds around Manchester, and he knew the same people. You know, I was trying to protect him by not seeing me the way I was. That's what I did, and I thought he's a big man now. Time that time gone. No, there's no way now I can get that relationship back with my son, you know, because he's a big man now, and, and I was messed up. You know, I had no, I had no contact with my, none of my family. I stayed away from all my family. I was just, just doing my own thing. 2004, I'm like a headless chicken up and down the streets of Manchester now, chasing this thing. All my music's gone, lost everything now. My mates have, have disowned me, trying to hide it from my family. You know, I'm trying to hold something together that I can't really hold, and trying to put this mask on that 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 I can't. You know, what I mean, after a while it gets exposed, but I try my hardest. You know, what I mean, to cover it up because I had a good reputation, I had a good name about myself, and I was trying my hardest, and it, it, it becomes harder when you're trying trying to hide that thing, you're trying to cover it up, the pressure of it, and you sometimes you think, you know what, can't even be arsed, and then you just end up going full in, and then you're going jail. Jail didn't work for me neither. Got girls clean in jail, but that didn't work for me. Came out, started doing daftness, shoplifting, and you know, daft little robberies. And what comes with it, I suppose. You know, all the stories you hear from other people, from other users. I was living that life, you know what I mean? And that's all that was all my focus was that. How long shall the cure our profit where we stand aside and look? Some say it's just a part of it We got to fulfill the book Won't you help me sing Another song of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption song These songs of freedom This is Hayden, father. I found out about his own drugs. So, I know how, how, you buy? Family. I heard about family that like he's, he's on drugs. And, um, you know, that father, like son, and you think, I stayed awake, a selfish behaviour, because I knew it was a selfish behaviour, that if I stayed awake, he's not going to be like me, but yet it ends up like, like me. And you think, father, like son, you know, what could I do? At a time now, you take on 2004. I'm suffering from depression. I'm still in um in um, Millersburg. I'm homeless down there. You know, I'm living in 
um, hostels, in and out hostels, just moving around, you know, just find, trying to find ends meet, you know. I had depression, but the drugs, that helped, you know, to keep me clean. So it's the stage where I had to come back. Came out of jail, 2005, couldn't find a place to stay. And then the, down in Millersburg, they said, well, you have family down in Manchester, maybe you can go back down there, we can give you a, one, a one-way ticket back down to Manchester. I went to my uh, mum's house. Things have changed out of my mum's house now, you know. My mum's still living in the house, but the house don't belong to my mum, it belongs to my sister, you know. She's now living in my mum's house. She's bought the house with her husband. She's got a, a daughter there, and I'm, I have not changed, and I'm still the same person. I'm still, you know, I'm the same messed up person. And I normally go to my mum's when I'm messed up. My mum's, she's your mum. She said, take you in. Not this time. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I can remember the time. It was it was around December, early December, you know. And I come back down there, so I went to the shelter, a place called Shelter, and they put me to try to find a place for me. It's just where the down and outs go, you know. It's just a landlord just took a house, the whole street in flat, and just done all these these, these houses up and just cut them up into small rooms and you share a room. So I was in there living in living with the the, the Literally rats and mice, you know, because that's, you know, it was a nasty place, nasty place. I got referred by AGS, uh, Mustard Tree, to do voluntary work. Mustard Tree aims to transform the lives of people in poverty or homelessness. It helps people like Hayden to gain skills and self-confidence. So it looks like a shop, like a second-hand shop when you walk in, but there's much more going on behind the scenes, you know. There's, we have a warehouse where people can... Um, volunteers can learn about the warehousing part. We have an office where people can go in and use the office, use how to use um, telephone skills, use the tills. Then we have the upstairs apartment where we have drama, we have the arts, and we have the music classes. And also we have an NA. The NA use it now again. There's a lot of space going on. The suit runs as well. Oh, the suit runs going on. So it's just all those things going on. It's not like you can go in there and meet people and people will sit down with you and, and help you with your problems. You know, if you've got debt problems, housing housing problems, any sort of problems, you can go in there and it can help you, give you advice. So it's, you know, for me, when I first walked in there, it was all oh, this. What I need, you know, I'm helping people who are like, like myself, and they're helping me myself. So I'm, I'm learning new skills. First week, I loved it. In the first six months, they made me supervisor. Couldn't understand why they made me supervisor. I mean, I, you know, I was I'm on the works. I'm, I'm learning how to refer people. I've learned how to use the phones. I, I'm even using the tills. Trust me with the tills. So they made me supervisor, so they gave me that skill to manage other volunteers, you know, and that was a skill. And the people who come, come in, it's not just people who get referred there, there's people like yourself and the public can come in and offer to do, give them their help if they want to do some volunteer. I remember a lady coming in called Wendy, never forget her, Wendy was a, um, a driving instructor and she wanted to do one day volunteer the staff member asked me, what do you do? I'm a driving instructor. Well, we have volunteers who need their license back. We'd be prepared to give you, give you free time to do driving lessons. And she said, yes. And she gave me driving lessons. So pick me up and go for these driving lessons. I did every driving lesson every week. I did eight. And then went for my test. Got my license <laughs> back. Got my license back. So the job 
came about for musketry after being there for about three years. I loved the place that much. I didn't leave. I was, I was doing suit runs. I was helping out. It's, you know, it's, it's helping me out as well because I was homeless. I was, I was homeless. I had no place to stay. I, I did get my flat through the help of musketry and they helped me f- fit it out and stuff. So when the job came up, I applied for it and I got the job. I've been there now seven, eight years. When he first started musketry, you had your son. Yeah, 2009. I had my son. My life was still messed up. I was working though. I had a full-time job that I held down for like three years. Yeah, I could see my dad slowly changing a little bit. Um, but no, we wasn't as close as we were. We, wasn't, we weren't speaking as much as we would. As we was. You know, as an addict, you got to protect yourself. And as selfish it is, as it, I mean, it's flesh and blood. He was protecting himself, you know what I mean? So... That's how it was, you know what I mean? Sometimes you've got to be selfish and, and he tried his best to help me, which he, he tried, but obviously, you know. We used to fight, man. We used, we used to fight, fight yeah. yeah. We used to, yeah. We used because, to fight. Because what was happening, because I didn't get my life back together. I, I mean, I hit rock bottom, I got my life back together. I'm sort of moving on. And like he, like he said, he's right. I mean, I, I couldn't get back into this role helping him because I know that he had to find rock bottom. He hadn't found rock bottom yet. I did want to help him, but. He's, you know, he's using. So I had to protect myself, and I slowly get my family back together. He's a man now, you know. He's a big man. So I did believe there was, there maybe no, no um, closeness again. That I did believe that, but I, I did wanted it back, you know. I had to stay away. I had to stay away from him until he finds what bottom. My what bottom? I went too long ago, actually, a few years ago. Well. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in that place, you know. Everything's not sweet and hunky dory as, as it may look on the outside, you know. I'm, I'm still at the bottom. I'm still struggling with, with, you know. So, but with rock bottom, I don't know rock bottom. See, yeah, see that's it. See, rock bottom is different from different people. I mean, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, lost my son. Lost a good relationship, lost my job, lost myself with my pride. Maybe that was my lot, but I don't know. I don't know. But you know, um, I moved away for a while. Up north, I'm you know, That was rock bottom. That was horrible. First of all, you got arrested. You had people chasing you down. Yeah. You end up going down to Burnley, and then you know, and the, the police had to keep putting you under protection. Yeah. You know, so this is your rock bottom, I believe. Yeah. You know? So you, you lost your son. You know, that's when I stepped in. This is when I stepped in because the police wanted to put me in protection, um, house houses, which I thought was, you know, okay, go for it, whatever. And then I'm clean now. I'm 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 well clean now. So, so he had to go. So that's when I stepped in because his son was born. I, I was not allowed to see his, see his son, Ethan. <laughs> Can't mention Emerson Ethan. I, I wasn't allowed to see Ethan. But then I asked, I talked to your mother and asked him, you know, if you, you know, I can have Ethan on the weekend. And Ethan used to come round and she said yes. I used to pick up Ethan up on the weekend and have him for the weekend. And Ethan is a, he was, he was four, just turning five. And this is where I saw Darren. I saw Darren when, you know, this, this time when I left Darren, at that 10 to age, and I could see Ethan now suffering that he can't see his dad. So this is a big part for me because I didn't want my my this generation 
of my 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 fishing boat going down that road, and that's what I saw. So I sort of stepped in and give Ethan that you know that what was it that grandfather love, yeah, and all, and sort of you know make sure he's he's protected, make sure that he know that his dad loves him. So and it sort of gave me a second chance. You know what I mean? Because I didn't do good. I I, I didn't stand by him at that age, you know? So I said, no way my grandson's going down that road. You know what I mean? So, so I stepped in there and I, I've been seeing Ethan now every every week. He's, you know, talking to his first football match. We go to Man United every month now. So, so it, it's like being a, a dad again, but I'm a granddad, you know what I mean? Hopefully one day, you know, you know Ethan will be back in your life. So... I didn't want that to happen to him. So, like I said, but with you, Dan, I think your rock bottom is when you left and you know, and left Ethan. But you're getting your life back now. You are getting your life yeah. back. You're doing good, you know. And this is where I stepped in because I can help him. I know where he's at. I know exactly where he's at. And this is why, as a father, I wasn't there for him, but I can be here now for him. Yeah, more so now. I reckon this is a. This is, is, is here. I need it more now. Do you know what I mean? Especially with my son. Because I'm not there. I'm glad that he's here now. I need more now than I did when I was younger, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got my family back. My mum, forgive me, my, my brothers and sisters, they're there for, 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 for. I'm on holiday soon. I'm going on holiday in a couple of days with all my family. So I never thought that would happen. And our relationship is getting back now. It's 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 there. I mean, yeah. I love my son. I always love my son. So, so I, I always I always be there for him. I always be there for my, for my son. Darren's son now has a relationship with his grandfather, and in time, maybe he'll have one with his father too. I don't think we've ever talked like this. I don't. Have a, I don't um, no. <laughs> no, no, we don't. It's, it's, I think we're more we're more alike because I see it now in the mustard tree because people point it out. You like your dad. And, and they, they say, your son's like you, though. And I'm thinking, what's part? What's part? <laughs> what's part are you talking about? you got a thing going on, you know what I mean? You have got a thing going on, you know what I mean? Darren, serious, Darren, you're doing good, man. Believe it, you know? And I'm not, I, I know I haven't told you this. I know I haven't told you this, but you are doing fucking fantastic. You are doing great. I know. All right? You know what I mean? You've helped me, though, haven't you? Yeah. You've, you've, you've helped me get my life together. Trust, man. You know what I mean? You have. Wait for you, man, where I will be today. Gee, I don't want to imagine. <laughs> I seriously don't want to imagine where I'll be today if I'm without. Seriously. Anon is sponsored by The Big Life Group. We're a social enterprise based in the north of England and our mission is to help people who have the least. We start where they're at and help them to get to where they want to be. You want to help us change the world? Then here's what you can do. Share our podcast, get other people to listen to our stories. Or you can even suggest stories that we might want to cover. Or you can donate and help us produce the next one. I'm Alan Bezzi. The producer was John Ryan and this podcast was a 2ZY production for The Big Life Company.